You are listening to Hoisting the Sail, a supply chain podcast. From our studio at the Brooklyn Navy Yard overlooking New York Harbor, we talk to the innovators and professionals who use the wind to power the maritime supply chain. I'm your host, Kat Bride. Hoisting the Sail is presented by Wind Support NYC. We've been looking forward to today's conversation because our guest is Stefan Gillard, the marketing director of Grand Sale. This is a transatlantic call, and we're speaking to Stefan all the way in France. Stefan, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to the show. Thanks. It's a pleasure for having me. We'd like to talk to you about your very unique background as well. You are a Franco-American. You've grown up in the States, lived in a lot of different places. Now you're living in Brittany. Tell us about how all of that back experience is helping you with your work now. I have lived in, in a few different countries, a few different continents, in fact. You know, you, you sort of follow different paths without necessarily knowing uh, how they all come together, or how they connect, and... Uh, in the end, here with Green to Sell, it's, it sort of brings it all together. So today I, I have uh, responsibilities over marketing and communication. And obviously with one side of the business that's occurring in uh, France, of course, another in the U.S., and finally uh, another with especially the supply side in Central and South America that corresponds to the different places that I've lived. Uh, so in many ways, that was kind of the perfect fit uh, for me and for the company. I was fortunate enough to visit the Brooklyn Navy Yard and see the boat in its berth as it was unloading the cargo. It was so exciting. This was also right after a snowstorm in New York, so the atmosphere was very magical for all of the sailors in New York Harbor, and the city looked beautiful. I tasted the chocolate, which is divine, and I even enjoyed one of the bottles of Burgundy from Grand Sale Wines from one of your new distributors in Brooklyn. To help our listeners understand exactly what Grand Sale is all about, I'm going to put it in your hands. Please tell us how you define the business. Are you a wine business, a chocolate business, or are you a sailboat? We're actually all of those. All of the above is the answer. Uh, and yeah, I was in New York as well for, for the arrival of the maiden voyage. and It was kind of unreal. Uh, it was a bit surreal. And as, as you mentioned, there was a big snowstorm foot and a half of snow fell. Uh, it, was, it was just really cool. But more importantly, it was the fact that we had actually arrived. And um, and that sort of was the missing link uh, up until this point, because the, the maritime side of the company uh, was up until then just a project. So we were up until that point, just a uh, coffee roaster, a chocolate maker. And uh, by the virtue of arriving in New York City, we became officially a wine exporter and the owner, uh, proud owners of the first modern cargo sailboat. So now it's all of those. And so that obviously makes it into a, uh, a bit of a complex enterprise. It's a small enterprise nonetheless, but it does sort of bring together a lot of disparate elements. But this, things like this don't happen on their own. So the Grand Sale journey starts over 10 years ago. I was astonished to read that the your founders are also have a very unique backstory. They are two twin brothers, born and raised in France, worked in several different industries, and had had this dream germinating of putting this project together. But it's taken 10 years to even get the first sailboat across the Atlantic. What's happened in that 10 years? You, you got to look at such a 
complex project in the long term. Uh, it's impossible to do this uh, in, in any short time frame. Uh, so the first three years, even though the, the original kind of starting point is in 2010, uh, no business activity started until 2013. So it really took a few years for them to really kind of work through the details of how it was uh, even feasible to, to do this. You, you mentioned that they had worked in, in a few different industries, the, the original founders, uh, and especially in offshore wind farms. So they had already maritime experience working with uh, large-scale uh, industrial projects and harnessing the power of the wind as a way to generate carbon-friendly power. So, so this was sort of a, a next evolution for them in the process of what else can we do with the wind? And, and they looked at kind of the, the, the next step and they said, well, it's great to harness the wind to, to provide electricity. What about the transportation side? Could we go back to basically the roots of sailing and bring that back in sort of a, a modern way? All that in the attempt to reduce the carbon footprint of maritime seafaring. Instead of trying to build a big boat that would compete with the very large cargo boats that we know, they would look at a smaller boat that would be more realistic, especially in financial terms. But that required creating a business model around that. Uh, and so that's when they decided we have to basically transport for ourselves. When you're transporting for yourself, that means that you're going to produce something. And that something must be uh, a product that comes from far away, that there's uh, no alternative locally. So for us, since we're based in the western part of France, when you look across, uh, what do you see? You see the Americas. And so what types of products could we get from the Americas, uh, especially products that uh, we can't get locally in any way? Well, uh, local farming, right? That was sort of the, the, the starting point. And uh, uh, cocoa and coffee seemed like natural products because those are products that can uh, be transformed as well and therefore generate added value. And why is that important? It's because you have to be able to absorb in, in a realistic way the extra costs that cargo sailing will generate. And they started with coffee roasting initially in 2013, then in 2016, a few years later, started the, the chocolate making. But all the meanwhile, working with traditional cargo. Uh, so all of the uh, sourcing and logistics was occurring via uh, conventional uh, maritime transportation. Basically, up until recently, the project was a promise. It was a promise, buy our products because this is what we are aiming at. And we can only make it a reality if we have the financial means to build the boat. And how do we get the financial means to build the boat? Well, we have to generate sales. And we're fortunate that people heard the, the call uh, or heeded the call, you could even say, and decided to support our project as quickly as we possibly could once the company was sufficiently stable from a financial standpoint, we were able to launch the construction of the boat. And so that was in uh, October 2018. The boat uh, was delivered a few months ago uh, in October 2020. So it took exactly two years to build. And uh, the maiden voyage uh, started in November. And uh, just a few weeks ago now, the uh, cargo sailboat came back to France. So the, the round trip has occurred and we delivered on one side uh, wines in New York, 
And on the way back, we were loaded up with 33 tons of uh, cocoa mass uh, that we brought back to France that's going to now go into our production. Before we jump into the production of the chocolate, the coffee, and the wine, I want to talk to you about this sailboat. Your founders decided that they weren't going to go the conventional route. They weren't going to buy one. They weren't going to retrofit one. They were really going to make their own from the ground up. That is so ambitious. And even to find a partner, right? Who do you call and say, I want to use an old world technology in a new world way. Can you build this for me? Yeah, so that's a, definitely a bit of a conundrum when, when you look at it from, from uh, the very beginning, right? How do you actually do this? So we're very fortunate that, first of all, the, the two founders had significant experience with very large-scale projects that needed, you know, kind of long-term thinking and the ability to sort of dissect the different steps necessary to reach the objective. So they had that, that experience. Secondly, we also are fortunate because we live in Brittany. Uh, and so Brittany is a land of a land surrounded by sea and uh, the history of seafaring goes way back. So it's sort of integrated in our DNA. And uh, with that comes also right a certain level of expertise. And so we were able to kind of sort of gather people around us that helped us kind of unwrap uh, this whole, you know, this whole mess. Uh, because when, when when you say it, uh, you're you're absolutely right. There's so much that needs to come together uh, to get it right. So it doesn't mean that we did everything correctly. I'll, I'll be clear about that. Uh, nonetheless, we got it mostly right, and the proof is in the fact that the boat uh, not only crossed but came back. So so we, we got it mostly right. But we were fortunate to have a lot of people around us, from designers, from uh, various shipbuilders and shipyards able to ask the right types of questions, uh, you generally end up finding the right types of answers. And that's where I think especially the experience of the founders on uh, working on very large scale projects, they, they had the acuity to ask the right types of questions and to select the right types of partners. And I'd like to make this clear for our listeners. This sailboat is not your great great grandfather's clipper ship. This is a completely 21st century, built from the ground up, modern sailboat, technologically advanced. Tell us about what what is on the boat that makes it different. It has sort of, when you look at it, all the features of a, of a sailboat, and, and you, you could almost forget what it was meant to do uh, until you put it in a harbor next to other sailboats, and then you realize, okay, something is a little bit different. <laughs> uh, so first of all, it's a 72-footer, complete sailboat, right? It's got a small motor, 110 horsepower, uh, which is a, a legal requirement when you're maneuvering in the ports. But with uh, 600 liters of fuel on board, we're not going to get very far. So it, it's it's really a wind-powered sailboat. Yet it is, beyond the fact that we're using old-school power, it's a completely new version of a sailboat. So the whole, the hull is entirely made up of aluminum. The sails are using modern, uh, right, they're not old cloth sails. They're, they're using modern composite. Uh, so wind turbines on board, uh, hydro generators, three packs of solar panels to generate electricity on board. Of course, all of the modern technology on board in terms of computers and safety technology, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So we, we call it retro innovation, where we're definitely looking back at some of the uh, tried and proven techniques in harnessing the wind to go over the seas. But we've got to do it in a modern way. For instance, we've got on board a whole 
closed circuit TV system, uh, so security cameras uh, everywhere, so you can go see uh, each part of the boat. Right? It's an industrial boat that's going to be traveling and transporting up to 50 tons of cargo and going into ports being uh, worked on by dockers and, and, and all that. So that's, that's the modern way to do sailing for the transportation of merchandise. And while you're based in France, how did the company decide to make America the target market? Well, the whole concept of Grain to Sell is to uh, have our own uh, carbon-free transportation. And uh, the, the whole point of that is to go to Central America to get the raw ingredients, the raw goods, and that's uh, cocoa and coffee beans. The first question is, what do we do when we cross over? And said, why don't we go to the U.S.? and that point, what could we put in the boat? So we, we thought about wine because our business is, is food with uh, chocolates and, and coffees. So wines kind of made sense for us. And uh, we figured New York, of all places, was, you know, the Big Apple, the place to be. So we wanted to sort of, uh, you know, challenge ourselves in a way and show that it was possible. So that's how kind of that, that occurred. It wasn't the result of a particular strategic analysis, even though we, we did kind of look through the nuts and bolts. But it was also for the symbolic of it, little Breton folks on their little sailboat coming to the Big Apple. That's kind of, you know, full of full of meaning and, and uh, makes a lot of like makes a lot of people dreams uh, dream, including us, of course. Well, now I happen to know a great fact from your maiden voyage to New York. You transported fifteen thousand bottles of wine in the cargo hold. And out of those 15,000 bottles crossing the choppy Atlantic Sea, only one broke. Yeah, and actually it was when, it was when we were unloading. <laughs> so it wasn't even, it wasn't even uh, due to the voyage itself. Yeah, I mean, everything is designed. It, like I said, it's a workhorse. So it's designed to transport merchandise. We use uh, American uh, pallets. We're able to put, uh, I think it's up to 30 uh, pallets. And, and it's sort of a jigsaw puzzle, right, when you put it inside the hull. But it's designed for safety, for safety of, obviously, the crew and safety of the merchandise that we're carrying. Because, obviously, that represents significant investments, and we want to protect that. It, that's its core mission, to transport goods in a carbon-free way from one side of the Atlantic to the other. So everything is designed for that. Going beyond the dream and the production of this ship and your maiden voyage, this is a business at heart. After you've decided to make wine, coffee, and chocolate your products, how did you integrate sailing freight into a value chain? Yes, the biggest thing is that we have to absorb the cost of building the ship and of running the ship. But on the other hand, we also don't spend as much on logistics because we do it for ourselves. So on the one hand, we save. On the one hand, we spend. In the balance, we spend more than we save, but we're, we do it for ourselves. And so the benefit is, I'll talk in marketing terms, but uh, in being able to deliver a value proposition that is unique. And so that carries the sales of our products. Certainly there's a little extra cost on the final product, but it's a reasonable extra cost that consumers are willing to do because they buy into what we're doing. Uh, and it's not just uh, a marketing facade. Uh, it, it truly is an integral part of our values. 
so so we're not just doing this for the for, for the marketing scheme we're doing this because we're convinced uh, that it makes sense and, and so what what that means is that the business has to be sustainable not only from an environmental standpoint but from a financial standpoint we invested two million uh, euros to build the boat took two years to to get out now we have it and we expect it to be in operation for at least 20 years and and probably more but you're able to sort of spread out the cost of the boat over over that many years to give you a sense on the tablets of chocolate that we produce in france we estimate that extra cost to be at about 10 cents so it's really not that much and on the bottle of wine that we transported to new york we estimate that to be between two and three euros which is still on on a, on the value uh, of a of a of a wine bottle it's not crazy right if, if you're going to spend 25 dollars on a bottle you know what's 27 or what's 28 it doesn't really make that big of a difference at that point so 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 we, we've got to find that actual equation and and it makes sense only if we're able to deliver that extra value proposition and we are convinced that when we're able to tell our story people will be willing to spend that extra 10 cents or that extra three dollars i believe so and that chocolate is Fantastic. My mother won't let me in the house on holidays unless I bring it back for her. So <laughs> we'll, we'll make sure to, we'll make sure to send you some more. We've already got a winner in the bride household. Uh, I want to ask you about how often the ship is going to sail. So we saw it in New York. It came here in December. We know that it went down to the Dominican Republic and sailed back to France. But how often is it going to be out on the water doing its job? So as of now, we're planning on two transatlantic uh, rounds so you know france to new york down to the caribbean and then back to france that whole round trip takes about three months more or less and so we should be able to do that twice per year uh, the reason is based on the wind conditions right there are certain times of the year where it's going to be difficult for us to to cross the atlantic and so we don't want to put the, the crew at risk obviously but we're already thinking about what are some of the trips that we could make without necessarily crossing the Atlantic? Uh, so certainly our main uh, need if, of, of raw product, of raw goods is uh, cocoa and coffee. But when you make chocolate bars, there's a lot of other products that can go into it, especially if you're doing milk chocolate, uh, any type of chocolate that has some type of other ingredient, could be nuts, could be whatever, right? So there are some other goods that we need to get potentially. For instance, we're thinking we get our chestnuts from Italy, from the Piedmont region of Italy. So it's totally feasible for us to go down to the Mediterranean and get that with our boat. And so we're already thinking about some of these other potential routes for the other six months of the year. That's going to be more for next year, for 2022. At this point, we're still focusing on, on getting it right with the cross-Atlantic voyages, but we've got a team thinking about what's next. And what's also next is building a bigger boat, because uh, as of yet, our boat is already too small uh, for our needs. So that means that we're not able to ensure 100% of our entire production by sail. We're already designing currently another large much larger boat for us at least that'll be about 300 tons it'll be about probably a 140 150 feet long and and that'll allow us obviously not only a larger larger operation but it, it will be able to continue to grow the business which is also kind of the, the the whole purpose for us so 
And, and then at that point, when we have multiple boats, you can really start thinking about different types of routes, different types of strategies for, for the fleet. At that point, really, it's, it becomes a fleet. You know, it's going to take a few years to get to that point, but uh, we're already anticipating. And it took us 10 years to, to get the first boat out. The second boat should be out in probably another, we're hoping, three years. And I wanted to ask you, Stefan, how did you identify your U.S. customer? How how did you research and know who would want to buy your chocolate, your coffee, and your wines? Who is that person? Actually, uh, there, there are a number of, call it segments or, or consumer profiles. We sort of reversed the question, and we started thinking more about the sales outlets as a, as a way to sort of narrow the um, the market for us. From the very beginning, because all of our products are organic, and because we, we obviously have a, a value proposition that is so unique with the carbon-free transportation by, by the sailboat, we knew we couldn't just sell our wines anywhere. It would have to be kind of specialized wine, wine stores, specialized restaurants. And so we kind of worked backwards and, and we, we, we started more on the B2B side than, than the B2C side. Then, of course, if, if you go all the way to the final consumer, there are sort of some general profiles that, that emerge. One are obviously people who are interested in sailing. So sailors, people who are members of marinas, who enjoy that lifestyle and sort of would naturally gravitate toward this type of product. Then we've got people who are interested in wines. The, 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 the people who really enjoy wine are going to be interested in ours specifically because they've never been tra- uh, exported. So we have some wines that are branded grain to sell, and those are the Burgundies, that, and we work with a local producer for those. Uh, the others, we, are, we have curated the selection. Uh, so we've traveled around France, we've identified the wine, uh, the winemakers, and we have selected specific bottles from their productions. Uh, and, and that's important to us because these are wines that have never been exported before. And the main reason why is because there's no uh, sustainable way to transport wines across the Atlantic for the U.S. market. And so these producers were refusing to export wines, not because they don't like Americans, but because they said it doesn't make sense. Based on the way I'm working my fields, based on the way I'm working my vineyards, I don't want to add carbon impact because of the transportation. But now, thanks to you, we're able to do it in a consistent way with our values. And so people who are interested in wines are going to be able to have in New York wines that are never been available before, that are completely unique, and to top it off, transported by, by sailboat. And then finally, uh, the, the other profile are going to be people who are really environmentally conscious. Uh, those are the ones who are trying to make better choices as consumers. And here, finally, we're going to be able to offer them uh, a choice in terms of a range of wines that they can drink w- without any guilt. I'd like to get a little more info on the last mile delivery. You make chocolate and roast coffee in Morlaix, in beautiful Brittany, but far from Paris. It's almost a five-hour drive from Paris. How are you delivering to your customers? Is the chocolate and coffee delivered on diesel trucks all over France? And how do you plan to close that gap and make that last mile more green? So, so far, we've restricted our, our distribution to a, about a three-hour radius from where we produce. So that's kind of the greater western part of France. 
and anything beyond that so far we've we've refused and that's because it doesn't make sense to transport our finished products you know hundreds of miles thousands of miles by trucks uh, that goes completely against what we're trying to accomplish uh, so there are some some structural limitations to what we can and can't do uh, but certainly we can control how far we go and how far we distribute so the option for us has been to uh, once again kind of think outside the box and we're going to have uh, multiple production facilities along the western seaboard and so that allows us to get closer to the different consumer areas and the next one and we're currently finalizing the uh, the, the location uh, is going to be in Dunkirk in northern France and that's about an hour or so hour and a half away from Paris which allows us to then distribute to the Paris area to the northern France area and even uh, into Belgium because it's very close to Belgium uh, in the future uh, even further out so, so that's going to be Basically, two years uh, is is the planning for the Dunkirk production facility, and that's a, a, a large harbor where we could bring the boat. Uh, the next one will be Bordeaux, so in southern France, uh, uh, south southwestern part of France. Uh, and then looking even further, we our ultimate goal is to have a production facility in New York where we could roast coffee and make uh, chocolate locally for the tri-state area. So, so those projects are going to take a little bit of time. Uh, we're, we're sort of used to thinking long term. So if it takes five or 10 years, we're pretty confident we'll get there. Uh, but that's the strategy we've put in place in order to, uh, as you say, kind of uh, reduce that last mile. And by boat, obviously, once you, once you hit land, you're kind of stuck. So, so we got to think creatively up until we've got better, more ecologically friendly transportation solutions for the roads that's going to be the best way we're going to do it. We've reached the end of our time today. Stefan Gallard, the Chief Marketing Officer for Grand Sale. I cannot thank you enough for joining us on the show. This was a terrific pleasure of ours. It's been my pleasure. And uh, thank you. Keep talking about wind. Uh, we, we are strong believers in it, and we appreciate the invitation. Our conversation with Stefan Gallard was very timely because this week, Grand Sale is leaving the Port of Morlaix for her second crossing of the Atlantic. She will deliver 10,000 bottles of never-before-exported French organic wine to the New York City market and will dock at 115 Brooklyn Marina until May 24th. Check out our site and Grand Sale for updates on upcoming events. We hope to see you there. Thanks so much for listening to the show this week. If you're not already subscribed, please sign up to Hoisting the Sail wherever you get your podcasts. For more information, visit Windsupport NYC on LinkedIn. Write to us at podcast at windsupport.nyc.